0: all needed that well if you have your bibles i'm going to be in mark chapter 4 i just want to pull out a um a section of scripture and look how really the question is how does jesus respond and then how do we respond how does jesus respond and then how do we respond you know the bible is it's full of crazy stories isn't it when we read our bible That Noah and his family lived on an ark for 40 days and 40 nights. And you think, oh, that wasn't too bad. Can you imagine living with all of those animals for 40, cleaning up all? I know what it's like when one of ours has an accident in the house. Everybody tries to walk around it wanting the other one to pick it up. You know what I'm talking about? I can't imagine the ark. But they, they lived on that. They couldn't see outside. That's a pretty crazy story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It wasn't a threat to throw them in the furnace, right? They got thrown in the furnace. And it was even increased with the heat that the guard dropped dead. Yet we read there was the fourth man, that that son of God that was in there that protected them. They didn't even smell like smoke. Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. I don't know about you. Have you ever seen video when lions eat? Even in the zoo, it's vicious and violent. But he was protected. Their mouths were shut. And yet, when they threw in the other guys, boy, the Bible, I always love when the Bible describes that their bones were broken before they even hit the ground. Those lions jumped right on them. David, as a young boy, faced a giant, and the giant told David, I'm going to shred you up and I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds. Well, that was a real threat. And yet we knew David's trust wasn't that he was a master of the slingshot. His trust was in that this guy defiled the name of my God and who my God is. The children of Israel, if you read, and we kind of already went through Exodus in our Bible reading, you read about all the things that they went through in the wilderness that God did. And remember, it was a time that we call, they were in the wilderness of rebellion, They were rebelling against God. They were complaining to Moses, yet God would show himself faithful. And the Bible is full of miracles and provision. Think of this. Well, I was going to say ladies, but it's probably guys too. Forty years your clothes and sandals don't wear out? That'd be great. Ladies, you got one outfit, and for 40 years it doesn't wear out. Those shoes don't wear out for 40 years. Years. Well, that's in our Bible. God was the one that performed a miracle over their clothing. And Jesus says, don't worry about what you wear. But he performed that miracle. He performed the miracle that millions eat by manna, day and night, and by quail, that he would perform that for him. Elijah, as I said earlier, the ravens bring him meat and bread, morning and evening. He's at a brook. The walls of Jericho fell down as they shouted. They didn't even attack it with what they could have done in that day. But that was a miracle. And you know, I was reading this in a time of a severe famine in Genesis chapter 25, verse 12. We read this just one little verse as you're reading along in Genesis. And it says, "And Isaac sowed in that land. This is during a famine. Nothing's growing. He decides to plant. And he reaps a hundred In the same year, a hundredfold. But notice what it says at the end. At the, end the Lord blessed him. Right? That's like, oh yeah, nothing's growing, we're in a famine. Great, we're going to plant crops. Are you crazy? There's, there's no water. And in the same year, he reaps a hundredfold. We read about these stories in the Bible. They're in there to encourage our faith, to see what other people went through to look at the mistakes, even the mistakes that we make. And these are the times that when we just, we've been taught these stories, but they need to become the foundation of our lives and our hearts. So Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. Let me read this uh, to us. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. And it says, On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, this is Jesus, Let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And the other little boats were with him. So we've got a boat and we've got other little boats. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him, saying to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he arose, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. Let's all say those three words together. Ready? Peace, be still. Let's say it again. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly saying to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? In Matthew chapter 14, verse 27, there's another story of Jesus, but he's walking on the water. And as as he's walking on the water to them, they think he's a ghost and they scream. All these grown men, right? Ah, Screaming, crying, you know, and you would think, what would you say if a bunch of grown men were screaming and crying out? Shut up! Right? Grow up! Jesus uses these weird words. In fact, Matthew 14, 27, he says, Be of good cheer. It is I. Don't be afraid. Wait, wait, wait. Wind and, you know, thrashing of the boat, grown men screaming. Be of good cheer. Actually, it means be of good courage. No, we're scared. We think you're a, you're a ghost. Right? We're scared. Be of good cheer. It is I. Don't be afraid. Boy, how we need to remember that. You know, uh, where two or three are gathered, Jesus said, I'm there. We remember But he lives in us as believers. He lives on the inside of us. Be of good cheer. It is I. Don't be afraid. Well, we read this story. In fact, uh, I won't have time to get into all of it. But uh, I would encourage you to write down and you can read later. Where was Jesus going? It's an amazing story. He's going and he's going to be confronted with what is called the madman of Gadara. A man that has a legion of demons, about 2000 demons He's in full control of that territory. People try to chain him up. People try to lock him down, but he has everybody in that area in fear. In fact, when he's delivered, it mentions something at the last part of the verse because Jesus says, don't go tell anybody. He goes and tells people in 10 cities. But if you read on in the ministry of Jesus, it's almost as if he went across to the other side. He was going to set this guy free, and then he would come back at another time and he would go minister in all of these different cities. It was almost like he was setting free that one area, but the disciples probably saw a crazy scream, you know, some naked guy with chains and cutting himself. You know, I remember years ago, I used to always hear, when, when a police officer gets a call, there's a couple calls that really get them like on high alert, man with a gun, right? Person with a gun, um, a domestic violence, And then the other one is a naked man. I guess so, because how do you like, what do you do with the guy, right? You don't want to touch the guy. How do you handcuff the guy? That that like sets him off. Well, here's this guy. He's got the whole area under control. That's where Jesus is going. Jesus just left a huge ministry opportunity that he was teaching to the multitudes. And he's tired, shows the humanity of Jesus. He's going to fall asleep. you have anybody in your household that can sleep through anything? You have anybody? They can sleep. It doesn't matter if it was an earthquake or a jet just went across the roof. They don't hear a thing. Well, Jesus is asleep, that whole humanity. And what's interesting when you read the Bible, it says a great windstorm appeared. In fact, when you read it, let me read you a couple things that comes out of the Greek. It's a violent storm breaking forth from black thunderclouds in fury. Let me say that again. I want you to get kind of a mental picture of that, right? A violent storm that's breaking, uh, breaking forth from black thunderclouds in fury. Have you ever been in a really big thunderstorm where, you know, you ever do, you go, 1,001 crack, right? Right overhead, you're like, boy, this thing's close out of nowhere professional fishermen didn't alert we don't read in the bible they said hey gee not the night to go across the sea boy we've got clouds and you know we don't want to be out there out of nowhere this storm comes and the bible says it was a great wind storm the word great in the greek is the word mega like this mega wind whips up and there's howling wind and all of a sudden they're out in the middle remember there's a boat with Jesus asleep, and there's other little boats, and they're in the middle of this mess. You know, my grandma uh, lived in on, right on Lake Michigan. And as a boy, we only went there three times until she had passed away. And so when three boys went for a few weeks to go see grandma, there was only a couple things to do. There was sand dunes behind the back, which we took our G.I. Joe you know, soldiers, and we let them roll down the sand, then we got bored. We'd go down to the lake, but the lake wasn't like the ocean. It's just flat water and there's rocks. Well, then we'd get in trouble because we're throwing rocks you know, at one another and you get grounded on vacation. But Let me tell you, when a storm hit out in the middle of Lake Michigan, we'd wake up that next morning and there were waves just like Huntington Beach. Now, Grandma didn't have boogie boards or surfboards or anything, but she had inner tubes. So we'd grab those inner tubes and it was just like being at the ocean, big waves breaking but we loved it because it was fresh water. You didn't get out all sticky and salty and, and smelly. But let me tell you, when a storm happened out on that lake, those waves were violent. Well, this is the story we see here. It catches the professional fishermen off guard. But let's look at the two perspectives. Let's look at how Jesus is responding. And let's look at the disciples, how we respond, because Jesus is our example. He's asleep at rest on the boat. He's probably trusting that they're going to do something about it. They've been witnessing everything going on. They're probably going to do something about it. Here's what they do. They wake Jesus up, and they want to know why he's not awake and why he's not afraid. Imagine all of the things that they've seen, and they're like, why aren't you afraid? Wake up, why are you sleeping? Their perspective was... They're upset because he's not upset. But Jesus gives this example that we read in here. And he says, he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace, be still. The Bible says, and the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Here's his question. Why are you so fearful and how is it that you have no faith? I think it's a great question for all of us. Don't be fearful. Go back to his promises and have faith in God. Right? Have faith in God. The wind and the sea obeys what Jesus says. Let's begin to pray and begin to trust that this thing... Let's not think, oh, the kids are going to be out of school two weeks. Okay, great. Have we prayed that we would like this to stop today? Oh, we get two weeks. How many parents are thinking, I got like us, Maverick. This cereal is not an afternoon snack, okay? This is to last us for a while, or we send you to the store to get it. Sometimes we hear these things and we just say, have we prayed that this thing stops? Or do we follow along uh, as we do, just kind of hearing as things go? And I'm not talking crazy things. Jesus, right away, there was the... Jesus did not set a cross to go to the other side to die and drown in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Right? He didn't tell the disciples, hey, we're going to go halfway. We're going to all die today. No. Jesus wants to remind them, have faith. Don't be so fearful. Have faith. Jesus replaces the fear with peace. I'm going to... His peace surpasses all understanding. His peace surpasses all understanding. He takes out confusion and replaces it with sound mind, sound thinking. He takes out the doubt and he replaces it with faith. He always sees the lost becoming found that's right amen right I think we need to write down the very thing that you might be most afraid about I was telling Jane uh, we went through our freezer and then underneath a bag of ice she makes these and I'll say I'm wrong but uh, these Filipino egg rolls I found a stash Um, and I thank the Lord for her that she came over when we did our Christmas thing all right right Wow, you know, you you find those things, you know, hey, thank God that I should have been looking before, but I've got this, you know, little stash of, how do you say it? Lumpa? All right, lupia. Um, But, you know, let's replace, write down what's the biggest thing that you're afraid of in this time? And go back and find what does God say about that? What's his perspective? Jesus responds differently than the disciples. Respond. He sees it as a spiritual thing. We've got to look at this as a spiritual situation. Never has there been a time when the entire world, uh, the entire world is infected by somebody that came from one nation. But if we looked at it spiritually, what an opportunity it is that spiritually, even from here, we could uh, infect an entire world of people. One person supposedly takes it to Milan, if that's even the true story, and it begins to spread uh, from there. And we need to look at the perspective spiritually of what's taking place. This isn't the end. But I want to look at, in fact, my message today, I got a second message. We have time. We're good, right? But it's a short one. <laughs> you have nowhere to go. No, it's a short one. So I'm reading through John 3. And uh, I think I touched, I mentioned Nicodemus last week. So Nicodemus, uh, and I won't turn and look at it, but write down John 3, you can look at it later. John chapter 3, uh, Nicodemus, a spiritual leader back in those days, comes to talk to Jesus, but he does it at night. The reason when we read that is he doesn't want anybody to see him. And the conversation goes on about being born again, and Jesus uses that word born again, he thinks, how do I get back into the womb of my mother? So, you know, who thinks that, right? Who thinks, well, he thinks that. And I I ended it using the one word that he said. He said, how can these things be? Nicodemus. That's not the last time we see Nicodemus. We see Nicodemus two other times in the Gospel of John. We see him standing up for Jesus, but we see him with Jesus's body that died. And he's with the guy by the name of Joseph of Arimathea, because they're going to take that body and they're going to put it in the tomb. And I was reading through, and I had never thought about this, about Nicodemus, until Tuesday night we were with somebody. And I asked about somebody and if they believed in the Lord. And the person said this. This person is my continual work. I'm constantly, I'm continuing to work on him. And then that's when it hit me. I thought, that's Nicodemus. Nicodemus, if we went in the scriptures, it's probably early on in Jesus' ministry that he has questions. He, he should know. He's the religious mindset. He should know that some of these scriptures are aligning up. And this man has authority, but he's different. But he comes to Jesus at night because he has questions. Jesus talks to him really about salvation. But it didn't like go off of him like water on a duck. It's something that still stirs him that we read about him two times in John. And what what got me the most is there are some people, especially in these days, that need our continuous work. They don't need to hear our matter of fact. And this is how it is. They need that continual feeding and talking to them and encouraging them. Because we all like peace be still and the wind stops, don't we? Straighten up, get right. We like that. Cut, done. Some people are going to need that continual work. You know what's great about the church? The church isn't regulated to a building. The church are people. In fact, the church are sitting all amongst you. We're out and about we're more now in tune with how people are thinking and what they're doing, that we've got to be people like, we've got to look at people like this Nicodemus to start to continually talk. Be there for them. Don't get upset if they're not snappy and quick like we want them to do. This is that time where God can begin to work on hearts. And like we see these things, Jesus responds different than how we respond. We've got to have the mind of Christ. When we see and hear these situations, we've got to have His mind. What does He say about these days? Bow your heads if you would with me. In fact, let's do this. I want you to think of somebody. It could be a neighbor. It could be somebody within the church. It could be somebody that you're going to talk to this week. They might be your Nick at night. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Father, in these days when people only have physical eyes to see, they're missing it. They're looking at things in the natural. If I load up and hoard up, we'll be okay. Father, I pray that you use every single one of us to be your church, your hands, your feet. Like we had read in 1 Chronicles, the sons of Issachar knew the times of their day that, Lord, let let us be people that we find these nick-at-night people. They're looking at things naturally, but, Father, use us to speak to them spiritually. Lord, for every member of all of our families, immediate families, that may or may not be confused, you know, we all have opinions. We all have thoughts that we think. But, Lord, use us to speak the truth in love. Use us that even if we don't know for sure in these days, we're going to stand by faith. We're going to read these stories in the Bible that might look crazy, but to see what you did and how you showed up. Lord, I pray we look back on this time and this season and we'll be able to talk about the things that only you could do. And but we'll be able to do this, Father. We'll look in our own lives, and we'll see the growth that took place because we trusted you. We don't trust in toilet paper and paper towels and hand sanitizer. We trust in you. You're our hope. You give us insight into these days. Lord, I thank you for our church family. They are blessed of the Lord and great is their peace. I pray that that you are speaking to their hearts even now, making crooked places straight. You're calming our bodies from the top of the head to the sole of the feet. You're giving us words to say we're discerning people and we bless you. Stand with me if you would and we'll close with this chorus. You are here moving in our you